Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jude. The book of Jude, the first chapter. And I'll read the first verse. The book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to those who were called, beloved in God the Father, kept for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you, Father, for the privilege again to stand and to speak your truth. Father, I want to thank you for opening my eyes to the truth a couple of decades ago. Thank you, Lord, for those that I see in here every week that are here to hear your word. Lord, I know that is a work of you, so we thank you for that. I pray, Lord, as we look at this verse today, that our eyes will be opened, Lord, and our hearts will be moved, Lord, to walk out of here with a purpose. Thank you again, Lord, for this privilege, and just pray that you'll be with us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Jude, uh, this is an an interesting opening, I believe, to this to this book. Uh, when he says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, it is arguably um, that we're talking, it's, it's, I believe there's plenty of evidence that we're talking first about, uh, when he says the brother of James, James the brother of Jesus. Uh, and uh, that's a, a rabbit trail that I'm not going to go down right now, but I believe there there's good evidence to believe that that is the brother of Jesus. So then it is interesting that Jude says, rather than saying the brother of Jesus Christ, he says the servant of Jesus Christ. And the word there is doulos, which is found throughout the Bible. And another rabbit trail, I'm not going to go down, but except to say that it's the word means slave. It means slave. Um, it is a, a connotation that uh, a servant kind of gives the connotation that you're hired to do something and it's optional or, or you have a say and slave, you don't have a say, you're owned. And of course, we know that we've been bought with the price. So I, I, I think it's interesting how he opens this up. He is, he's not bragging that he's the brother of Jesus. He's saying, I'm a slave to Christ. By the way, I'm a brother of James. But my focus in this passage is going to be, as you see in the title, to the phrase, to those who are called. Years ago, I was interviewing um, a young man for a, for a software developer position on my team. And uh, we got through about, I'd say, about 15, 20 minutes in the interview. And then I asked a question that I always asked, why did you leave your last job? And his answer was, well, they expected me to work eight hours a day. 
I kid you not. <laughs> well, as you can imagine, that interview came to a close rather quickly because I can guarantee you that company that hired him called him to work eight hours a day and more. And I'd like to, I'd like to transfer that to our calling. The Bible has a lot to say directly about our calling. And so I just want, I've, I've taken the time, I've went and I, I, have, I have gone and uh, uh, looked at the passages where the Bible specifically talks about our calling, and I think it's interesting. I'd like to share it with you. And I want to start with the circumstance of our calling. The circumstance of our calling. And, and to do that, I think we should start in 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians seven seventeen, Paul writes... Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. And he continues, he says, Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And he says in verse 21, Were you and uh, the ESV says bondservant, but the word is doulos. So basically, were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it, he says. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself the opportunity. And then he says in verse 22, for he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freeman in the Lord. And you see he's He's playing with the words, but he's making a very strong theological point. And then he says, likewise, he who was free was called to be a slave of Christ, he says. So, brother, in whatever condition each was called, let, there, let him remain with God. I read this and I think... Whenever someone gets saved, the first thing they think they got to do, I got to be a preacher. I got to be a teacher. And of course, we know James, the brother of Jesus, says not many should be teachers. You should not automatically think, I got to quit my job. I got to quit doing what I'm doing. Unless, of course, you're dealing drugs. Maybe a good idea to quit your job then. But uh, I. Paul saying, wherever you are in life, whatever life God has assigned to you, remain there and be who God called you to be. That's what he's saying. And of course, he uses the context of slavery, uh, the Greco-Roman slavery here. And he's like, if you're a slave, be the best Christian slave there ever is, you know. And that's what he's saying. And he, again, he plays with the words. He's saying, you, can, you might be a slave, but you're free in the Lord. And if you're free, you're still a slave to Christ. In fact, in Romans 1.6, Paul says that you were called to belong to Christ. You're called to belong to Christ. And then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, <laughs> This is interesting. 
We're called to belong to Christ. We're slaves to Christ. But in, in Galatians 5.13, he says, You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Through love, serve one another. Do you see the, the back and forth again? This, this, this I'm, I'm, I'm a slave to Christ, yet I'm free. And, I'm, and I may not be... I may not be a slave, but I'm, uh, I may be a free man, but I'm supposed to serve one another. <laughs> this is really cool what he's doing here. Very, very much. That's the circumstance of your calling. You're called to belong to Christ, but you're called to freedom. And then we can go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We can find out how we're called and this is so important in second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 14 we read to this he called you and this is is a you would need context to what that is but it doesn't matter because he says how he called you to this he called you through our gospel you're called by god through the gospel he says through the gospel. And if that's true, and you're a, a slave to Christ, then your objective is to call others through the gospel. And I want you to hear this. When's the last time you shared the gospel with anyone? We're called. We were called through the gospel. Don't you want others to come to know Christ? So we're called through the gospel. And then I want to look at some of the reasons we're called. And Paul writes in the book of Romans in chapter 8, verse 28, he says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. We know this verse, right? But then he says this, For those who are called according to his purpose. We are called to his purpose. We're called for God's purpose. And I want you to understand, in Galatians 1.6, Paul writes this. He says, I am admonished that you are so quickly deserting who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I want you to understand this. The reason you were called is not because of who you were, or how, what talents you had, you were called by grace. You didn't deserve this calling. I didn't deserve this calling. We're called to his purpose. We're called to his purpose not because God needed us. And Romans 8.30 says this. He says, And those whom he predestinated, he also... He also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So the reason you were called to is to be justified, number one, declared righteous, and then glorified. So it's God's purpose. It's not because of who we are. And we're called to be declared righteous and glorified, which is wonderful news. Bring on the glorified Lord. Amen. 
And then I want to go to 2 Thessalonians 1.11. And I want, to, I want to look at what Paul says about how he prays for those at Thessalonica. 2 Thessalonians 1.11, he says this. To this end, we also pray for you, he says, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Do you see who makes you worthy of his calling? This is God. God makes us worthy. And God is the one that fulfills every resolve for good. The things to want us to do good, it's up to God to change us. By nature, we're children of wrath. But God changes our heart, and he, he, he fulfills every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So when you read that, you should probably, this should probably come up in your prayers. Lord, make me worthy of your calling. And when I say probably, I mean it should, by the way. Lord, make me worthy. Put in me a desire to do good. Put in me, Lord, to, a desire to, to do works of faith. And I also want to see what we're called to. First, we've, we've seen that we're, we're, called, we're called to, wherever God has, has us, we're called to be Christians. Doesn't mean we have to change. We're called through the gospel. We're called according to his purpose. We're called not because we deserve it, but it's by grace we've been called. We're called to be justified and glorified. He makes us worthy. But I want you to see in Romans 1.7, see if you can see what we're called to. He says, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Called to be saints, he says. And in 1 Corinthians 1.12, very similar. To the church of God that is a Corinth, those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together. With all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. We're called to a, to, a, to a gathering, to a family, if you will. We're called this. And, and, and in 1 Corinthians one twenty six, he, he even defines, he kind of looks at the, those that are being called. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were from noble birth. He didn't go out and looking for those that had influence and power. I've got to go call these because these are the ones I can. No, I'm going to go use who I want to use according to my purpose. And then they, weren't, they were fishermen and people that work at the gas station. Programmers. School teachers. people that collect the garbage so we pulled from not not the powerful not wall street 
Not that he can't call someone from Wall Street. But not many of noble birth. God calls who he wants to call. And he typically calls those that you wouldn't expect him to call so that he would get glory when he does great things through those callings. And it's important to to understand that Paul writes in Romans 9.24 that he called not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. It's not just a particular group of people. It's not just people that look like me or not people that are from some certain side of the tracks. It's for every tribe and tongue that he calls. It's from every financial situation. He calls some that are rich, some a lot that are poor. That's the calling. So we're called to be saints into this family. And we are to be family. And, and, and I think that it's important that James writes about this in James chapter 2 when he, when he berates those that would treat some brothers better than others just because they have more influence. The rich man came in wearing nice clothes and had rings on his fingers and he was told to sit in the nice place and then the poor man came in. You sit at my feet or sit in the back. And James called that sin. He called that sin. You're making distinctions between brothers. But then I want you to see in 1 Corinthians 1.9 where Paul writes to the church of Corinth and he says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that word fellowship is very interesting. The Greek word is kononia. Hope I pronounced it right. But it's, a, it's an interesting word that is used throughout the New Testament and I think, I think it would be advantageous for us to look at how it's used so we can look at this, this fellowship that we've been called into. And, and one place is, uh, 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 is in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where uh, he says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the kononia, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. I believe Brother Steve mentioned this last week, is... This is the, basically, this is coming to church and, and hearing the word and fellowshipping and the Lord's Supper and praying. We've been called to this. We've been called to this. In 1 Corinthians 1, 9, we see this word used and where he says, uh, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, the kononia of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Very similar um, actually, maybe that was the one I already read. Sorry. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse eight is what I meant to say. I got to change these notes. And this this Konania word is used. He's saying, begging, earnest, begging us earnestly. He says, for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. 
And the Konania word is the taking part in the relief of the saints. It is, we've been called not only just to come to church and to hear the word and to fellowship and to, and to do the Lord's Supper and to pray, but we've been called to take part in the relief of the saints. This, the brothers and sisters that are, are in need, Paul calls them to take part in this relief. And if we don't, I want you to know. I want you to think back to that interview. Well, they expected me to work eight hours a day. No, God expects us to be taking part in the relief of the saints. And if we're not doing it, it's as, it's as absurd as if we say, they expect me to work eight hours a week. I mean, eight hours a day, sorry. You know, you heard what you were supposed to hear, right? And then we see this, this the Konania used like this, Romans 15, 26, for Macedonia and Acacia have been pleased to make some contribution, and the contribution is the Konania, to the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. So again, we're called to take part in the relief of the saints, to make a contribution for the poor to take care of the poor. And you know this if you read the Old Testament and you watch God get angry at Israel, one of the main reasons he gets angry at Israel is because they did not care about the poor. And you read through the Old Testament, it is clear that we are supposed to care about those that are truly in need. And then... Of course, we live in America, and it is a land of plenty. But the book of Hebrews reminds us, in chapter 13, verse 16, Do not neglect to do good and to konania, and it's translated share what you have. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You know, if this is pleasing to God, we should be doing it. And one more, 2 Corinthians 9.13 says this, By approval of this service, they will glorify God because of, their, because of your submission that comes from the confession of of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution, once again, Konania, for them and all others. So we should be willing to share what we have. But then this word's used differently in Philippians 1.5. He says, because of your partnership, he says, that's Konania, because of your partnership in the gospel, he says from the first day until now. In other words, we are partners, and I'll remind, I've already said this once, I'll remind you, we are to be partners in spreading the gospel. And that might come into supporting ministries that spread the gospel. And I think it's Third John that uh, tells us that that we should do that, that it's a good thing to, to contribute to ministries that, that clearly teach the gospel. But we're a partnership, but also we should be giving the gospel to our friends and our co-workers 
and our family. In spite of what what happens, they need to hear the truth. And then we read in Philippians 2.1, that was Philippians 1.5, in Philippians 2.1, in the precursor to the Carmen Christi, he writes this, For if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any konania in the Spirit, and it's translated participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy, in context, this participation in the Spirit is 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 loving our brothers and sisters because we have the spirit in us because the fruit of the spirit is love and peace and joy and patience and gentleness and kindness self-control so this is this is the fellowship that we've been called we've been called to a family where we take care of each other we take care of those that are truly in need we're willing to share what we have we, are, we, we partnership in the gospel so that it spreads, so that it's heard. And we love one another. We give encouragement to one another. We comfort one another. We show us affection to one another. We we're sympathize. We weep when, when my brothers and sisters weep. We, we rejoice when they rejoice. And then in continuing in the book of Philippians, the word is used again in chapter 3 and verse 10. That I may know him, the Paul writes, and the power of his resurrection, we know he's talking about Jesus, and may konania in his sufferings, may share in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And why did Jesus suffer? Because he spoke the truth. We should share in those sufferings. We, sh- we don't have to go looking for it. It will find us. Just speak the truth. Just spread the gospel. And while you're doing it, show love to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you'll be like Jesus. And the way the world has turned over the decades against God and against Christ and his word you'll probably suffer all that live a godly life will suffer the Bible says but this is what we've been called to and then one, one last one in 1 Corinthians 10.6 and it's a very similar it says the cup of of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ in other words a a kononia in the blood of Christ what does it mean to participate in the blood of Christ well Jesus' blood was shed because he spoke the truth and the bread we break is it not participation or kononia in the body of Christ his body was crushed because we spoke the truth he spoke the truth and so in the same way, we should share in his sufferings. Speak the truth in love. Don't have to be arrogant. Don't have to be vindictive. Just speak the truth. This is what we've been called to do in spite of what happens. 
We've been called into a fellowship of a body of believers from all walks of life that look different than us, that come from different backgrounds, that come from maybe different countries. We've called, been called into this fellowship of learning the word together, taking the Lord's Supper, preaching the gospel, taking care of each other's needs, encouraging one another, comforting one another, showing affection to one another, showing sympathy to one another, suffering together for the cause of Christ if necessary. This is what we've been called to. And it's very clear in the words of the New Testament. Very clear. But I want you to see something else. In 1 Peter 2.9, see, see what you've been called to. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. There's the slave to Christ again. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him, and that's proclaiming Christ, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He called us out of darkness into the light for 20 years. I walked in darkness of my adult life. 20 years of my adult life, walking in darkness. Didn't care what God thought. I was a child of wrath. I followed the passions of my mind and the flesh. And then one day he called me out of that darkness into light. Praise God. We've been called out of darkness into light. In fact, in the book of 1 John, John writes in chapter 1, verse 6, if we say we have kononia with him, if we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So we can't just, it's so clear what he's saying here. You've been called out of that. So you, cannot, you can't come to church and, and put on the nice, nice clothes and the happy face and say, I love Jesus, and then leave and walk in darkness and say you have fellowship, that you're called to this fellowship. You can't say that. You're lying. Something else you've been called to. The Bible speaks of it very clearly. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, he says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? You've been called to hope. And I'm going to tell you, I saw things on social media this week I shouldn't see. I saw parents taking their children to debauchery, an event of debauchery, where men were walking around naked, and it was horrid. And I see, we're seeing this so much in this country, and I'm going to tell you, It's depressing. 
And I cling to this hope. God knows what's going on. God knows the the wickedness that's happening. But he's called us out of darkness into light and he's called us to a hope. What's the hope? It's eternal life. It's heaven. In fact, 1 Timothy 6.12 says this, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you've been called. So we don't want to we don't want to curse the darkness. We've been, God knows what's going on. God has, has ordained that these things should happen to show his justice and to show his mercy. So we've been called to a hope. We've been called to eternal life. Hebrews 9.15 says he is the mediator, mediator of the new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. We haven't just been called to eternal life. We have an inheritance. What it is, I don't know, but it's got to be good. We've been called to a promised eternal inheritance. It won't fade. It, won't, it can't be taken away. No one can come and steal it. It is eternal. And it's ours in Christ Jesus. First Peter chapter five, verse 10 says that we have been, it says, after you have suffered a little while, here's the fellowship that we've been called to. We've been called to suffer for Christ. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, there's the grace that we've been called in, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. We've been called to eternal glory. And even if we suffer now, the one that called us will restore us and confirm us, strengthen us, and establish us. 2 Peter 1.3 says something very similar. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Did you notice the word granted to us? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We've been called to be, uh, to glorify God. Our calling glorifies God and shows his excellence. What a, what a glorious God we have. Now if we see all this. We've been called, in whatever situation they're in, we're called to be children of God, to be Christians. Whatever situation we're in, we're called by the gospel, and we're called to a fellowship where we, we learn the word together, we take the Lord's Supper, which preaches the gospel. We love each other. We take care of each other. We, we, we make sure that those that are in need have what they need. We, we spread the gospel together. We pray together. 
We suffer together. We rejoice together. We, we mourn together. We're called out of darkness into light. We're called to eternal life, to an eternal inheritance. We're called to glorify God by our calling. We're called to hope. But whenever I think about the calling that we have, the one verse that I always think of, you know how in the New Testament a lot of times, especially the epistles, in the epistles you'll get doctrine and then application in a book, and that generally that doctrine and application is, set up, is separated by one word. What's that word? Anybody know? Doctrine, one word, application. What's the word? Anybody? Therefore, right? It's in, it's in the book of Ephesians. It's in, it's in the book of Romans. You see that? Therefore, now that after all I've just told you, Therefore, act like this. In the book of Ephesians, he says this, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. We have been called to walk worthy. Can I remind you who makes you worthy of the walking, of the calling? It's your Father in heaven. So pray for it. But he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you've been called. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, it says, God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. And just, I'm going to go ahead and beat the dead horse. 2 Timothy 1, 9, he saved us and called us to a holy calling. He says, and, and I just add what he adds here, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. There it is again. We've been called by his purpose. We, it's grace, it's not us, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. We've been called to be holy. And then in First Peter, again, he says, but as he who called you is holy, he says, you also be holy in all your conduct. All your conduct. Do you see how many times that this is mentioned? 2 Timothy 1.9, he saved us and called us to a holy calling. Did I do that again? I did. For some reason, I keep repeating verses in my notes. Uh, I'm sure it's the providence of the Lord. Reminding us, we really, it really is important. He called us to a holy call. We're to be holy. And he keeps repeating this. Do you think it's important that we're to be holy? Do you think it's important that we, he's called us out of darkness into light? And if we say we have fellowship, and, but we walk in darkness, we're lying. Do you think it's important when he says this? We are to be holy. That's our call. We're called to this. Colossians 3.15, he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful, he says. 
We're called to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. It means no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, we're just being obedient. And whatever happens to us, it doesn't matter. We have the peace of Christ in our hearts because we've been called to hope, to a holy calling. We're going, we're going to heaven. And then Peter talks about this even more in his uh, first epistle, chapter 2. I just want to start at verse 13 and just listen to what Peter, under the move of the Holy Spirit, writes. Be subject to the Lord's sake for to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. He says, be subject to every be subject for the Lord's sake to every institution. And he says this, verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So we're not rebels. We're just, we're, we're just speaking the truth obedient to our authorities but speaking the truth unless they tell us to be to do something that is against God's law of course but we're to be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake and then he says this in verse 16 live as people who are free again there's that free we're free in Christ even though we're a slave to Christ. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God, he says. There's the back and forth again. And he says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And he says, slaves, be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Did you hear that? And, and of course, this is in, in this day, this could be employees. Be subject to your employers. Because this is the economy. And he says, with all respect, respect them. With all reach, show them respect. Not only to those that are good, but those those that are good in general, but also to those that are mean, those that are unjust. Show them respect. That's what he's saying. And then he says in verse 19, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. Why do you think that's gracious? Because that's what Jesus did. The creator of the universe entered his own creation and allowed men to mock him and to call him a partner of the devil and to try to kill him. And then he went to a cross, suffered a severe beating and was nailed to a cross and died. And, and before he died, people came by and wagging their heads at him and, and mocking him and making fun of him and casting lots for his clothes. He did all this. He suffered all because he did good. 
This is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God, he says. And then listen to verse 21. For to this you have been called. This is what we've been called to. Wow. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. Are we listening, church? Are we listening? In the next chapter, Peter writes this under the move of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 3 9, he says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on contrary, bless, he says. And then he says, same verse, for to this you were called, that you may attain a blessing. This is what Christians do. This is what Christians do. So, boy, that was a lot. Boy, the Bible says a lot about our calling, doesn't it? A lot. And uh, if you, I think this is so important, Brother Steve, I'll make sure that I give you these notes so that you can upload this because I think that you should download those, these notes and mull over what the Bible says about our calling. But there's one last verse I want to share with you. One last verse. Because uh, we've been called to, this isn't sissy. This isn't for sissies, okay? We've been called into something glorious. But it's going to hurt. And the time will come when you think, can I endure this? And I would suggest that you read James chapter 1, verse 12, 17 verses. I can't remember. That'll help. If anyone lacks wisdom, ask God. But this, is, this isn't easy. But remember, it's God that makes you worthy. Remember that. And also this, Romans eleven twenty nine. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That ought to put a smile on your face. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. You're not going to take it back. Once he's called you, you're, it's a done deal. You're justified. You will be glorified. And that's good news so church get the notes this week mull this over this is what we've been called to therefore we should walk in a manner worthy of our calling amen lord i want to thank you father 
for those that are here today that have heard the truth. I pray that you would plant it deep in our hearts. And I thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes. I just sit here and think I was running from you and you came after me. I bet there are other stories very similar. Thank you for opening our eyes. Thank you for opening our hearts to the truth. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here that does not know Jesus, Lord, that you'll open their heart. Have them, Lord. Grant them repentance of their sin and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his finished work of the cross. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.